welcome back to yet another edition of Kent and the Steering Team for another fun, super, mega, awesome week. Yes, that's right, the show. It's back, again, since last week. Anyway, um, as always, you're joined by myself, Phil, my friends Bianca and Drew, but there is no Kent, unfortunately. He thinks he's in Kansas now, but he's not in Kansas anymore, uh, and he was caught up in the uh, tornado the other day. Um, anyway, on with the show. Team, how are we? Good, not in a tornado. <laughs> not in a tornado. Did, did a tornado happen and I missed it? Yes, yes. on uh, Thursday night, the night that we recorded the podcast, as in now, Bianca, when we're recording this podcast, um, a tornado happened out west, just beyond Bathurst, or just up from Bathurst. Um, a proper tornado happened. Are you proper telling tornado. me that this year we have had a tornado and an earthquake in Australia? Yes. Yes. Wait till bushfire Pandemic, season bushfires. comes. Oh yeah, it's going to be everything. Oh, and it hailed today in the west, in western yeah. Sydney. Softball sized. Yeah. What? Yep. I, no, okay, that's it, I'm quitting. Yep. The, like, You're qu- okay. quitting 2021? I'm quitting yep. 2021. I'm just going to sit here in the safety of my home until this is all over. <sighs> just you and yeah. Dead and all the food. Yeah. Exactly. Right now we only have cucumbers. Nothing wrong with cucumber. Um, Have a cucumber and mayo sandwich. It's my favorite, one of my favorite sandwiches. Oh yeah. Yeah. Anyway, on with the show. (laughs) Sorry for the tangent. Yes. Mind the plane as well. Big plane flying over. But um, uh, Disney versus Marvel. Yeah, I can hear it over mine now. Um, Yeah, let's just wait and see. Uh, Disney versus Marvel. Marvel. Yes. Marvel. 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 Not Disney versus Marvel. Disney no, and Marvel, Marvel versus Stan Lee. Oh, oh okay. Uh, tell me about it. Tell me, tell me, tell me what uh, what I should know. What what should the audience know? Pretend the audience has no idea what the hell we're talking about. All right, folks. You won't have to pretend too hard. This week, let's go back in time. No, <laughs> this week, um, Marvel Comics Legends: Steve Ditko, Don Heck, Don Rico, Gene Colan. Larry Lieber and Stan Lee's estates. So either the comic book creators or the estates of the comic book creators, because some of them have passed away, have all come out and uh, come out with a lawsuit against uh, Marvel Entertainment and Disney, obviously, because Disney owns Marvel Entertainment, uh, suing them for the rights to reclaim the copyrights to their characters. Their characters, including Spider-Man, Doctor Strange, Iron Man, Black Widow, Hawkeye, uh, Falcon, Captain Marvel, Blade, Iron Man, Thor, Ant-Man, and that's it. Those are the ones that I, are amongst the things that I've written. And yeah, so they've all... You said, you said Iron Man twice, but yeah, continue. Oh, that's because some of them are the... I, I've, got, I've read, written down who's created what, and some of that's them right. are the artists and some of them are the writers, and they create them together. Uh-huh. So apologies for the double ones. Um, but yeah, so they've all come out and they're trying to get copyright back to their characters because obviously these characters have become big billion dollar industry names. Um, It's no longer that they're just comic books and they're getting rehashed and rewritten every year. And, you know, every now and then there's a movie that makes a couple hundred million that, Mm. you know, doesn't see the light of day again. I'm thinking pre Iron Man era of Marvel, pre Iron Man era of Marvel entertainment and DC comics wasn't as big as it is now, if you think about it. No. So they've all come out trying to get some 
of that Marvel money and uh, Disney filed a countersuit to keep full rights to said characters. Uh, but, but it's getting a bit testy because what this means for the future of comics is unbelievable. Um, mm. Yeah. So under US copyright law, authors or the heirs may reclaim rights from publishers after a certain number of years. To explain how this all happened, back in the 30s when people couldn't self-publish and people didn't really own their own stuff, big publishing agencies like Marvel and even Scholastics and, well, I don't think Scholastics were around back then, but I think Schuster and Schuster were, but like book agencies and DC Comics, which was back then uh, action comics and detective comics, they used to hire creators um and those creators would create stuff and anything they created was owned by the publisher Mm -hmm. that method of creation and writing and uh you know sort of like cookie cutter manufacturing of you know these characters and these stories doesn't exist nowadays it's not quite the same the way publishing contracts but, work today. But Bianca, but but to, to that point, but that'd be like um, that'd be like Conan O'Brien saying, "No, I would like ownership of um, the monorail guy on The Simpsons. That character's mine, actually, because I wrote that episode." Yeah, I I, I am of the opinion here, surprisingly, because normally I'd be against big corporation. I'm on the side of Disney and Marvel here because if you write something for a company or for something uh, like you know a magazine or a comic book or a book or or a whatever tv show movie if you write something for the purpose of that character existing within someone's property i don't think you have any say on that being your character just because you came up with that character maybe you wrote it for the purpose of its position inside of this this world or this um this this uh um, method or this whatever I don't think you have any say over that character and I Here's think that's really wrong that, that I that weirdly agree with you this isn't only used in the music and the this isn't only sorry in the writing industry this is also used in the music mm. industry this is actually something that came out of something called Tin Pan Alley which was in the early 30s um, these guys created a, a pub not a not a music agency, like not like a, what's the word I'm looking for? A studio agent, like company. They created a music publishing company. And what they did was they got all of these musicians and singers and people who normally wouldn't make much money because it's hard to crack into the music Mm. industry. They would Mm. hire them, stick them in little offices you know that Simpsons episode where you see Burns with all the monkeys on typewriters? Mm. That yep. came out of this idea of they'd stick all these guys in these their own little offices with their pianos and their instruments and whatever and say, write some music. And their contract is, contracts literally said, whatever you write, it belongs to us, but we will record it and you'll get some commission out of it. So music industry, they got yeah. commission comic book industry they got paid for their pages um yeah so that's what disney is actually coming back and saying as it is they're coming out and saying 
Ditko, Lee, they were all paid for their pages. And even Correct. on top of that, they gave them this is this part I don't agree with. Not in the way that you think. For each of these movies, they did pay them five thousand dollars. It's come out that they've been paying the creators of these comic characters and storylines five thousand dollars for their contribution to the movie. I think that's a bit of a slap in the face. I think if Disney mm. is making these millions of dollars out of these movies and they've billions. chosen billions, yeah, and they've chosen to pay these creators, paying them five thousand dollars is a fucking slap in the face. I agree. If you're going to pay them, pay them a hundred grand at least. Like that seems reasonable. Like that's not reasonable. That just seems like a good number. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I, I agree. I, I, I would, I, again, I agree with that. I think if you're going to, if you're going to acknowledge someone through the form of a payment for the creation of a character still, um, whether it be a grand gesture or whatever, or be a you know a bit of a homage kind of thing, like a yeah, let's go back and um, honor the person that came up with the character through this. All the storylines. Five thousand dollars is pointless. Because yeah, all of five thousand dollars then movies, is pointless. All of these comic book movies, I have to like, they're not original stories. They're all rehashes yeah. of stories that have been played out over the last um, how many years. Mm-hmm. So they they should pay them. They should acknowledge. Mm. I, like, if they're going to pay them and all that, they should pay them. But it is work for hire. And my argument, and I hate the fact that I'm agreeing with people who, I hate Disney mm. Corporation. Like, it's gotten to a point where I've realized Disney Corporation are just assholes. Like, they're not great at all. But Correct. the the fact is they did work for hire. And if I... I create graphics and I do a lot of marketing and all that and campaigns and stuff. While I'm working for a company, if I create a campaign for them, that campaign is not mine. That campaign is theirs. They pay me to create the campaign, but all the images and photographs and documents that I produce for them are owned by the company. And if they reuse it in five years, I don't get money for that. They just keep using it because I made it for them. Hmm. It's, oh, it's the, the same thing at Microsoft. If you do any work while you're under contract at Microsoft, anything that you develop, program, create, um, with all the resources that are on hand for anyone that works there, it all belongs to them. They get first right of refusal whether or not they want to do something with it or they can sign off to let you use it elsewhere. Exactly. So, you know, it's not unheard of, this business model. I do think that it needs to be, in particular for the writing industry and for the, uh, like, book and publishing industry, it needs to get looked at again because there are the laws that are currently in place for the writing industry are, you know, using writers to their advantage. Like they are pretty, Mm. it's basically the same as why the writer's strike happened in 2007. They weren't getting paid enough. They weren't getting acknowledged enough. Some of these things went on to make, you know, some of these books and movies went on to make multi-million dollar, you know, franchises and they weren't getting paid for them. Um, 
And I, weirdly, it's J.K. Rowling who changed all of that because she wrote, she's the first book author to ever get really paid for a movie. Mm-hmm. Um, ever. And like they've been, Stephen King never got all this money from any of his movies. Like the same amount of money that J.K. Rowling got. He could have, but those contracts didn't exist back then. So I do think that all of the contracts and all of the things need to be re-looked at, especially for the future of comics, seeing as how, you know, how much they're worth now. But, but I, I, I think, though, that, that it, it absolutely should um, be looked at for writers and stuff. But I think that if you're writing on behalf of a company or for a company, I think it's different if you're the author of something, as in... If you are the author, if you're the author of, again, let's use Harry Potter and say that it's not this franchise. If you're the author of Harry Potter, <clears throat> and you then pitch it to a publisher, an already created written work to a, to a publisher, and say, "This is my work," the publisher picks it up, a movie contract comes along, and then you go and get that movie contract. I think you are entitled to that because you wrote that whole thing. Um, not for that publisher, you wrote it for yourself and needed a publisher to get it out there to the, the, the market. But if you um, write a specific thing for the medium of comic, and therefore I pitch my idea to like Marvel, Marvel for example, and say, hey Marvel, Using I really want you characters. to have this character. Yeah, mm. I really want you to have this character. That's not me saying, hey, do you mind publishing my work for the public? It's me saying, I want you to have my work to put in your Marvel comic book. It's yours now, Marvel, because you can do it. Do whatever you want. If you're pitching to somebody for them to specifically have it, as opposed to me just needing someone else's printer. Like again, if J.K. Rowling could have self-published and advertised and marketed and everything, I'm sure she would have, because that would have just given her all control of everything, mm. except it costs a lot of money to get it printed. So I think that's different from literally pitching it to someone for them to have. So I don't think that Marvel or comic book writers from that point of view are entitled to have, um, you know, the character back to them. Well, and as well, you say, Bianca, your point, you wrote it. So therefore you, you made a marketing campaign for a company. That's their campaign. It's not your campaign. I, I think that with how much money these companies are now generating off of the comic mm. book industry, off of comic book writers, they deserve to have at least a pay rise because they are getting paid shit. Trust me, mm. their, their, their contracts aren't ever great. They're not getting they're not getting paid ninety k per book or anything, and you know they they spend a lot of time mm. on it. But they will get you know a measly well, dollar this is, or two. This is why we argue in favor of um, people like Scarlett Johansson um, mm. and anyone that wasn't getting paid properly to begin with because the studio may be the enabler but they're not the creative where it's coming from so when an actor wants a certain portion of the profit really the a lot of the film would hinge on that actor so if a movie makes a billion dollars then for them to say yeah i want 50 million for the movie that's not an unreasonable request mm -hmm. in in contrast to what it's earning and for a writer it stands to reason that they are owed the same if not more and certainly uh, I, if you were the initial creator then absolutely absolutely I, I, 
I don't disagree that they need a pay rise because I think something like five thousand dollars as a grand gesture is pathetic. Um, but I don't think that there should be any exchanging of rights to a character. Yeah, because, that, again, see, that's, so. that's, that's different. That's the part I don't agree with. I don't agree with I, the right change because, again, you wrote that for the company. But getting paid for your dues... Yeah, yeah, I, oh, 100%. Yeah, 100% that's different they deserve that because, because it's creative. You know, you've, you, as a, they, they, they should almost get a writing credit, a writer's credit. But also I think there should be... I don't see a problem with them having a creator's credit and therefore getting paid some commission for the creation, but I don't think that they should have rights to that character. I think they should just, you know, be, be you know, um, referred to as the creator and therefore, yeah, get something a little bit more for it. I do find it interesting that the same person who is um, representing the, um, like, the... Steve, Stan Lee, Steve Ditko and all that is also representing Scarlett Johansson. I can't remember his name. Um, Gee, he really has it in for the comic books and Disney. Well, I think he's really going after Disney, to be honest. I, I, I think Dis- Good Disney <laughs> is now a, a massive company. Like, it's not even... Disney now versus Disney 30 years ago is vastly different. And Even Disney now versus twenty years ago. Yeah, true. It it's just a completely different corporation, and mm. it's become too big, in my opinion. I I don't know. I don't I don't know. It just it's not the same vibe. It's very um, trying to get massive things out for you know a lot a lot of stuff for a lot of money. And doesn't it's, have much it's, heart um, and is much harder anymore. It's the monster. Look, I think it's, um, you know, it's whoever can take down the beast. Mm. So let's see what happens. But I look, I think this is fascinating. I think it's a, it's, um, if it goes ahead, man, it's opening up a real can of worms and uh, we'll see what else comes from it. But um, I think it's one we keep an eye on um, yeah. and uh, keep track of. But anyway, um, let's go to our commercial and we'll be back after this um, with... Uh, our Bond review. Sick of seeing indigestion get the better of people? Want to sell your product and save a life? Introducing Fad Breaks, the commercial food break we all need. Customers will be so grateful when your ad pops up before they take that fifth consecutive bite that they'll buy your product just to show their gratitude. No more painful ache in the stomach, only in their wallet. Fad Breaks, making mealtime commercial. And we're back, and back for another week of Bond reviews. Yay. Sorry, that's about my feeling at the, at the moment on them. I know it'll ramp back up again, but just this for now I'm a bit... Idea. I know, but Being we're at excited. the parts... No. I was, and then I forgot about Roger Moore, but there's only two more left, and these are them. So let's kick off with Octopussy. A fake Fabergé egg and a fellow agent's death lead James Bond to uncover an international jewel-smuggling operation headed by the mysterious Octopussy, being used to disguise a nuclear attack on NATO forces. All right, team. That's not what, what I do we thought think? happened. 
<laughs> what did you think happened? I don't know why this happens every week. I I yeah. I, I thought that I thought that this is really bad. I thought that MI six were like confused over why someone. I thought that all the Fabergé eggs were going missing. Or, like, they were just, like, being stolen and showing up. And for some reason, MI6 thought that was a big deal. And then along the way, James Bond In- randomly found a nuclear power, like, a nuclear plant plot or whatever. And I was like... In your defense, <laughs> they spent half the movie harping on the damn eggs. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> and look, I, I totally can understand why that happened. It, I think it was very James Bond-esque subject matter they were talking about, the Fabergé egg. I was, um, but yeah. I, I was so proud I, of myself. I thought I actually got this one. <laughs> what, I, what I really appreciated, though, was um, thinking back to, to um, Skyfall. Um, yeah. And the, the start of that, it was set in Morocco. Um, was it Morocco or Turkey? Istanbul. It was Istanbul. Turkey. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. yeah, it was Istanbul, not Morocco. I don't know why I thought it was Morocco. It was Istanbul. Um, I Braces. really, really appreciated the um, how the start of this one in India, it almost felt... They had similar sort of tones and the way that the sort of like um, haphazard, chaotic kind of um, chase scene with some shooting in mm. public places and then also just trying to make it all work and everything like that and then leading into the song. Yeah, I thought that it was, um, or from the song, I thought it was really, really um, uh, formulaic in a good way. Um, as in, I think that Octopussy now is right back on song with with absolutely nailing the formula of what a good bond film is um i thought it was a really really enjoyable movie to watch um mind you i did fall asleep at one point not because of the movie (laughs) because i was tired but i really enjoyed it i thought it was a really nice film um uh, besides the one kind of back to the old james bond being an absolute pervert revolting scene um i thought it was a really really good movie i I thoroughly enjoyed it the boobs are you talking about where he zooms in on her boobs over and over again. <laughs> like that. That's, know, those, that's those, the other scene. Those, oh, yeah, that's wow. the other one. I forgot about that one. <laughs> of course, Philip's referring to Bond forcing himself on Octopussy, at which point she tries to resist three times yeah. before giving in and uttering the famous catchphrase, Oh, James. Yeah. I don't get what people think is so attractive about him because Roger Moore, by this point, is not he at this he, he point Roger Moore is he didn't yeah. age well he's 55 but he looks at least like 65 I, I I think he was painfully aware of this because under my trivia for the next film he actually got some cosmetic surgery done between Octopussy and A View to a Look, Kill I think that I think that Octopussy should have been his last last film I think that was it was the, meant to be well I thought it was the perfect kind of ending point yeah you know, it was meant to be. His contract ended at Moonraker, and then they offered him a one-off to come back and do Octopussy, and then that was meant to be it. And then, oh no, even no. earlier than that, I think. <laughs> no, it, his last one was Moonraker, and then they offered him one more to come back for um, uh, whatever it was for your eyes only, the one we always forget. <laughs> we forget for your eyes only. A lot of them. And- Let's be right. No, for only, especially we forget. Yeah, that's the one we always forget. Yeah. <laughs> but then, yeah, they got him. They got him back for Octopussy, and then he really wasn't meant to come back anymore. But lo and behold, he did one more after. Yeah. He did two more. Um, 
No, this is the octopus. Oh, sorry. Of you do a kill. Okay. Um, yeah. Yeah. Look, I, I thought that I thought that Octopussy was the the probably the best Roger Moore film mm. so far um, of all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Again, I think it. I think it was. We talk about the formula, and we talk about looking for the early kind of development of the formula of what is now a quintessential Bond film or what is a Bond film. You know, nowadays they're so in, so much less frequent in in when they're they're released. Um, you know, eight years between them sometimes. Um, and, and so we, we talk about the formula because they have to nail it now because they don't have as many opportunities to do it. Um, and I think that Octopussy is the formula. It is what then the new films refer to and, and are compared to um, or should be compared to for the formula. Being somewhere a little bit different and then going across the world for some extortionate or, or some um, elaborate reason and, and or convoluted reason um and then it turning out to be a you know kind of save the world sort of um thing and then it all kind of coming together the purpose of him being a spy but at the same time being able to rub shoulders with rich and famous or 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 at least um have a reason for wealth and stuff you know and this movie does that and then there's sex thrown in as well i um yeah. I'm, I'm just going through my notes and one of the other things that i was oddly thinking about is i can't figure out what an octopusy is <laughs> i like, it's her. No, i know <laughs> i understand and i understand the joke right but i also don't understand the joke because this is what i wrote while watching this at like nine o'clock at night is it just an octopus's vagina and how is that appealing is it some weird op- vagina with tentacles is this tentacle porn? tentacle porn i still don't understand tentacle porn and then I wrote, I assumed the clown in the river meant this was it, but it, this predates it. This was all plans. one ongoing thought. Yeah, the clowns were weird, but this also Very predates weird. it, and it kind of reminded me of it in the beginning when the clown shows yeah, up. Yeah, I river. agree. I agree. But I still yeah, did not understand. Get I, I don't understand the octopusy name either at all, besides it being the sexual connotation or referring to yeah. something slightly bizarre and strange. Is it eight I don't vaginas? Get it. Yeah, like, I don't understand it. Um, I don't understand why... I also don't understand... I said this to you guys off. I don't understand why the movie was named after the character Octopussy when she was such a unimportant character. Yeah. I... doesn't make sense to me. I... Yeah, I... The, yeah, the, I think it's sad that this is one of the good, like, better movies. But also... Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's been given one of the worst names. Yeah, I agree. Um, yep. but yeah. Anyway, let's let's get to scores. Yes, Bianchi, you want to go first? <laughs> no, <laughs> um, no. Okay, I I actually one of the things that I have noticed is because I was tracking along. Um, every time we watch one of these movies, I've been tracking along what other movies come out around the same time, and this is starting to get into the era of movies that I'm familiar with. So some of the movies that came out during the same year as um, Octopussy were Risky Business, Superman 3, National Lampoon's Vacation, Scarface, and Jaws 3. And one of the things I've noticed about um, this era of James Bond is it's really getting, it's starting to age itself by the fact that it's not relying on on set locations. And when it is, it's not filming them very well. Because if you think about National Lampoon's Vacation, even though the film has aged 
and you can see there are yep. different techniques, it hasn't visually aged that mm. much. Whereas this movie really visually aged because of their reliance on sets and the way they use sets. It's a very British mm. set piece design kind of stuff. Yeah. So yep. technically, also the octopusy tattoo um, was really fake, and you could see the like sheen of plastic. So for the makeup yeah, department, it looked, as it looked well, like a it looked like a kid's tattoo, didn't it? <laughs> no, it, it was a kid's tattoo, but for the yeah for the makeup department as well and the technical and all that, I'm gonna have to give it like a five or maybe four. Yeah, yeah, four. It it's really it ages really quickly despite it not being as old as the others. Mm. Um, and then for my, like overall story, I'll give it an eight. Okay, so your personal is yep. an eight. Okay, well, I'm going to give it a seven personally. Yeah, I think it was one of my favorite Bond films, and I'm really enjoying the formula. Um, I thought it was a, a strong entry, and, and again, I just thoroughly enjoyed this movie. Um, first time I'd ever watched yep. Octopussy, and, and um, I can see why it's often referred to in, you know, up there in terms of um, some of the best, and I thought it was Roger Moore's best. Um, technically, I'll mm. give it a six. I don't think it did anything um, for the time uh, particularly brilliantly i yep. don't think it was any uh, particularly special but i again thoroughly enjoyable film um but not really groundbreaking no i couldn't agree more i also gave it a six on the technical scale unfortunately yeah bond is creeping into the 80s but i don't think we're gonna see 80s bond until we hit timothy dalton so yeah technically six personal enjoyment eh, it's a seven i i it's not right up there for me, but it's it's more enjoyable than the others. Um, and then A View to a Kill, which I keep incorrectly calling A View to Kill. A yes. View to a Kill. Yes. A View to a Kill, yep. or as it was called in the credits for the previous one from A View to a Kill. Mm-hmm. Of course, A View to a Kill goes a little something like this. The recovery of a microchip off the body of a fellow agent leads James Bond to a mad industrialist who plans to create a worldwide microchip monopoly by destroying California's Silicon Valley. So I'll, I'll rattle off my notes then for this one, because um, it kind of covers what we got here. I said it's back yep. back in the snow at the very start, so um, I thought they did really well. It's, it's almost nice we're getting this cross-section of filming in the snow and i think they did a really good job with. i really like how they keep repeating the iconic snow scene because of how me like impactful that was to film and i feel like we've seen it in every decade now yeah Yeah. that's why i appreciate seeing it and we know that we do see it again um, it's almost as synonymous as helicopters with bond yeah i I mean again both both um daniel craig and um, pierce brosnan both have snow scenes as well um significant snow Mm -hmm. scenes or skiing scenes at least so uh, back in the snow i said there was very 80s guitar shredding in this um thank you duran duran we had um roger moore looking incredibly old and way older than he did (coughs) 57 just two years prior he looks way older um i said it was weird seeing christopher walken in a bond movie and I really, really, really enjoyed the San Francisco blimp scenes. I thought they were sensational. Um, blew me away um, visually. <laughs> talking about that exact point you spoke about, Bianca, um, previously about how um, you know movies of the time were using sets and stuff or location to try and jazz it up or give it this like real modern sort of look. This one, I think, nailed aspects of that. And at certain times, I think it did a really good job with that. Again, did you guys enjoy the Eiffel Tower sequence? Eiffel Tower sequence was 
cool, but I almost think underutilized, almost to Bianca's point. So this movie did good and bad things. Um, yeah. So we your point to the blimps, uh, Phil. This is one of the many films that has let, misled me on how um, much blimps <laughs> are used in the US. And one yes. thing when we went to the States, because I went to the States for the first time in my life with you, mm-hmm. when we were in New York, I did never said this out loud to you because I just didn't want to sound stupid, but I was so surprised about the lack of blimps in America. I felt like one of those Americans who come to Australia and think there's kangaroos on the street, and I'm like, why would they have that many blimps? I don't know, but this is one of the movies that misled me. Yeah, they don't. They don't. Sorry, Bianca, they don't have that many blimps. Yeah, but I thought Christopher Walken was, um, was an interesting choice for villain. Um, mm. Drew, you have a point on something more interesting about Walken being in the film at all, and that was that someone else was supposed to play that role. Well, you know, um, that is my very poor impression of him. Um, actually, on. the part was written for Bowie. Yep, yep, David M- Bowie. Mr. David Bowie, who turned it down and took on the role of the Goblin King in Labyrinth instead. He later explained that the script was too terrible and workmanlike to spend much time working on, and he told the producers what he thought of it. I think that's a good call. He also said that his directness wasn't well received by them. Yeah, I'm I, sure. Like, I wouldn't arrogance imagine it around. would be. <laughs> um, I have to yeah. say, Grace Jones is like in my top five favorite Bond girls. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know if she's counted as a Bond girl because she's technically like. She was used she almost in like a Jaws-esque role in this, which I also find pretty she, much awesome. The fact that she... She does count. Um, and she's also a trailblazer for Famke Jensen's character in GoldenEye. Ah, I, well... I, I also have to say, though, that um, speaking of Bond, Bond girls, not really a Bond girl, but well, I'd love for them to be. Um, Moneypenny, um, Lois Maxwell's last... Um, last turn in the role of Money Penny, um, and in fact, indeed, is it the last time Money Money Penny's when's is Money Penny in the next films? I know Money Penny. I think make... is back for Goldeneye. Okay, so back for Goldeneye, and then kind of disappears for a little while, and then he's back properly um, in Skyfall. In, in Skyfall, yeah. I, I mean, but but it's Lois Maxwell's final appearance as um, as Money Penny. Um, yep. We had all kind of hoped or dreamed. I think it would have been interesting to see. Uh, Money Penny move into the role of M after the actor who played M died in the last between the last two. Mm. I think it was. Yep. Um, yeah, I yep. think that that's such a shame that that didn't happen. Everyone um, was expecting it, which is sadder. Drew, you put a you put an interesting tidbit here, which was producer Robert R. Broccoli or Broccoli, however it's pronounced, um, believed that audiences wouldn't accept James Bond being given orders by a woman, uh, a woman, and then <laughs> luckily nope. for the audience who would happily see that. Um, we got that when J- uh, Dame Judi Dench took on the role of M in Goldeneye. Um, Indeed. Yeah, but br- brilliant, brilliant sort of film. Drew, do you want to get to your score, perhaps? Uh, yeah, I do. So much like we had with one of the previous ones, the one we always forget, for your, uh, eyes, for on- your eyes only. only. Yeah. <laughs> Um, again, I think it's a middle-of-the-road Bond film. I gave it a technical five because 
there, there's some cool explosions and, and uh, I, I kind of like the horse chase mm-hmm. scene. Mm-hmm. Uh, personal enjoyment, I gave it a six because my, my biggest note about this film was that Bond is the dullest part of the whole movie. Yeah. Everyone else is actually really superb. He, I really enjoy Tanya Roberts. He's falling and behind a little bit. He's almost becoming an old man compared to the rest of the cast. He is. In, in 2007, Roger Moore said about his uh, performance in that film that he was about 400 years too old for the part. And, in fact, I'll go next with scores because, Drew, I gave it exactly the same scores. Six and a oh, five. Wow. Um, six for personal, five for technical. I think that's both yep. of those films in a row now we've given it the same scores. But, yeah. Um, Not bad. Yeah. <laughs> coincidence. Um, Bianca, scores? I think I'm going to add five and five not six and five just because i didn't enjoy it even enough to go above average like it's just average like i watched Mm -hmm. it yep and it happened i was sad because i knew that it was money penny's last movie and when she was in it i was like oh money penny Mm. um and also the fact that lois maxwell passed away in australia and she's actually buried in adelaide i think it is i didn't know that she was in it for she really she's in it for something like 20 Three years or something. She she's the Her only character from the first Bond movie to still be yep. in a Bond movie, and she and looked fantastic. She looked Her fantastic. and Cubby Broccoli had been there she the longest. Did. Again, I, she looked fantastic right up until her last film. The best thing is, I was I noticed it what with um, who, who was the actor before Roger Moore before before not Sean Connery the other guy the Australian guy Lazenby George Lazenby, Lazenby yeah. because of how young Lazenby looked. It was the first time that Money Penny looked significantly older than Bond. Um, mm. And I thought, then I thought that um, Moore made her look younger again. Yeah, when yeah. Roger Moore came back, I was like, <laughs> "Oh, she's young again." Mm. But yeah, even though she's been there for how many years since the very first Bond movie, I I got mm. really upset that they didn't promote her to M. They yeah, should have promoted her to M. That's such a wasted mm. opportunity, and I thought she was wonderful in it. And it's sad to see her go. And in fact, it's um, it's it's goodbye to Roger Moore too, because next time we're on to Timothy Dalton. Because we're Indeed all going to we be are. disappointed when Roger Moore goes. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. anyway, we'll head to our uh, what the quote, and we'll be right back. And now it's time for what the quote, and I think Philip, you have last week's quote. I do. It goes something like this. What we've got here is a failure to communicate. And of course, that, dear listeners, is from the classic Paul Newman film, Cool Hand Luke. Um, Drew, you've got this week's quote, don't you? I do indeed, and this quote actually happens to be from one of my um, favourite people. Life is what happens when you're busy making other plans. Yes, indeed. Now, if you know what that quote is from, make sure you reach out to us on one of our socials, or don't, like most weeks. Anyway, on with the show. And we are back on Kent and the Steering Team. Um, okay, <clears throat> so, <clears throat> Bianca has some rather exciting news for us, and I'm going to let Bianca tell us the news. Go. Okay, so... My favourite TV series is probably any crime or medical procedural drama. I love them. I'm a nerd love for them. <laughs> so I'm really excited that the OG uh, Law and Order is returning. It has been announced that after being <laughs> off the air for 11 years, it will be coming back for its 21st record-breaking season, what should have been the record-breaking season, but wasn't. But anyway, 
different point. <laughs> has it yes, actually it's back? Has it actually been eleven years? It has it been feel like, eleven years. It, it doesn't feel like it. It's been that long. I mean, I feel like I've seen yeah. it lots. Uh, so Law and Order has been on the entire time. Law and Order SVU, sorry, oh. has been on the entire time. But Law and Order, the original series, was cancelled in 2010, uh, where right. it should not have been cancelled. Um, but yeah, but oh, that yeah, there has been multiple spin-offs since its absence. Right, so that's probably what I'm thinking of and referring to. So bizarre, crazy. Well, I just I, there's there's going to be more to the dick, like the, yeah, the Dick Wolf versus back and it's ex- not expanding in this one but the original series of the dick wolf first mm. is back yeah you sent us this incredible list of shows that you had made that have all come from dick wolf or live within an interconnected continuity with one another like yeah <laughs> so massive. so dick wolf just to give some background to this which i didn't give you guys this uh Dick Wolf and the creator of Homicide, um, Life on the Streets, whose name I cannot remember. Oh my God, why didn't I write this down? Uh, he, um, they were great friends. Like they went to uni together and then they worked in the same office at NBC, but they were writing two different shows. So, but because they were such good friends, they, and they were both writing like procedural cop dramas. They decided to just, you know, as a joke, have one of their characters show up on their other show. And everyone loved it so much that they had put, let it happen multiple times after that. And then <laughs> Dick Wolf just thought it was a great thing. So he would often let his characters go wander about on other shows. So because of that, there's this massive universe that is all interconnected. So in the Dick Wolf verse is Law and Order. Law and Order Criminal Intent, Law and Order SVU, my favourite one, because go Mariska Hecate's Olivia Benson. Um, Law and Order LA, Law and Order UK, Law and Order Trial by Jury, Law and Order Order Organised Crime, Law and Order Exiled, which was the movie that combined multiple um, series of the original, I think it was the original series, Criminal Intent and Trial by Jury. Then there's Chicago Fire, Chicago PD, Chicago Law, and Chicago Med, and FBI, FBI Most Wanted, and FBI International. So they're all the Dick Wolf first that are completely interconnected because characters from SVU have gone to Chicago, and Chicago characters have come back to New York to be on SVU. Then um, Chicago... PD characters and FBI characters cross over a couple of times. Um, and yeah, but then outside of Dick Wolf first, there is what I like to call the John Munch universe because Munch, who has been on almost every show from the Dick Wolf verse, um, who has retired from acting, um, the actor Richard Belzer has since retired. So, but Richard Belser has also been on Saint Elsewhere, Chicago Hope, Homicide, uh, um, Life on the Streets, and Homicide the Movie. And the Homicide all came from a book called Homicide: A Year on Killing Streets, which is got all the same characters and is a couple of books I think from memory. Um, sorry, that that's where those you, those uh, TV shows is where John Munch originally came from. 
But then John Munch has additionally been on The X-Files, Arrested Development, The Wire, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and 30 Rock as John Munch. So Jeez. All of these, all of these TV shows exist in the same universe, and I just love that. That's insane. That is an absolute cracker of a list. Not to mention any and all spin-offs or connected shows to each of the ones you've just named. The X Files alone had two spin-offs with The Lone Gunman and Millennium. Plus, Arrested Development lives in the same universe as the Marvel movies because the Bluth Staircase appears in Civil War and Tobias Fumke is held captive by the Collector in Guardians of the Galaxy. Is he? Is it? Is that really yep. Tobias in there? Yep. Tobias. That was just the actor. I as part know. of the Blue Man. It, it's when Tobias auditions for the Blue Man group and has the, um, the blue paint on. He's been blue. It's him. Yeah. It's that oh, Tobias in the cage with the collector. See, it just goes oh, on and on. Goodness. Yeah. But isn't it interesting how it's all coming back after 11 years? So it's not the first case of a show returning for a new season after many years, though. Like in this era of reboots and redones, you know, there's been a few examples over the years. Um, mm. And, you know, especially with the whole revival of nostalgia and stuff. That's true. I mean, we do have Dexter on its way back in a month or so, a couple or, or whatever it is. It what it ended like eight years, something like that. So, yeah, I guess I guess you're right. And another in-universe show, thanks to Munch, um, X Files, which had its tenth season in 2016, uh, fourteen years after the 19. ninth mm-hmm. season, and seven years after the second movie. Uh, then it also had the eleventh season, another two years later in 2018. Um, I reckon that's probably um, that. That's a, it's a pretty big gap, but I reckon the biggest gaps go to Drew's um, one of his other favorites. I reckon. Yes, <laughs> Twin Peaks, <laughs> of course, which I have spent the whole day watching because that's what you do on a day off. Um, Twin Peaks ran for two seasons, from nineteen ninety to ninety one, and then it had a prequel movie that came out a year later. <laughs> exactly. Bow, red bow, room, bow. red room. That's all no. I remember from Twin Peaks. That's The Shining. How is that? <laughs> not- Wait, isn't that what it is? Isn't it the little? No. Is it? No, you're thinking of um um look in Burns's suit. That's from The Simpsons making fun of Twin Peaks. Yeah. Oh, see, I've never watched it. My parents do, used to watch it really do, do, do. Again, it's another backwards talking scene, but it's not Red Room. Yeah. Um. <laughs> <laughs> At the end of season two of Twin Peaks, there's an exchange between two of the main characters where one of them tells the other, I'll see you again in 25 years in the backwards talk. And it was a bit of a throwaway line at the time, but then sure enough, 25 years later, season three came out. <laughs> Jesus. Yeah. It's, um bit of a time jump i think i know that that was a throwaway line but could you imagine that it came out 20 like 26 years later and it kind of did like oh did it it kind of yeah so the season ends in 91 and then the movie comes out in 92 but the line was uttered in 91 and then the new season came out in 2017 so technically 26 years not 25 Ah. 
I see. What are what? What yeah. are some of the other ones that we can think of though? I can think of Roseanne. Yeah, yeah I Roseanne. Think of iCarly. <gasps> iCarly yeah. was so good, but I, iCarly was only about ten years later. I think the last season of iCarly came out in twenty eleven or something. Um, I can think of um, X Factor Australia having a jump of about. 11 years or 10 years between it or Survivor like Australia Australia. Idol did that as well Survivor Australia Big Brother oh, Australian yeah Australian Idol it's coming back again this year or next year or something like that and it was oh, off the screens it? for a couple of years yeah yeah Big, coming back. Big, Big Brother back. was another one yeah these are all the reality yeah, TV Big shows we nearly like had we, we nearly had Lizzie McGuire return nearly nearly had I Lizzie was McGuire. so disappointed that it, I'm still fuming it didn't yeah D- Degrassi is another one. There was a big jump yeah. between Degrassi: The Next Generation and Degrassi: and, and, High. Uh, and Degrassi Saved by the Bell coming back again. Yeah. Degrassi again. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I heard. I remember getting rumors. the warning of being able, having to get parental permission before I watched it. Up. I never got parental permission. Yeah, I remember. No, that. neither did I. Uh, neither did I. I didn't understand half the storylines though when I was seven. So. <laughs> no, I didn't understand the one where the girl got. Um, went to uh, spoke to a guy in a chat room and then went that, and that is the very the first episode Did you <laughs> yeah that's the very first episode I don't know why I know that that's the very first episode but yeah that's I didn't know that was the first episode yeah wow. I remember that and then I remember that same girl got a period yeah that one I, yeah. yeah that's yeah. the whole first season I think that's all you must have watched <laughs> no no I remember <laughs> the latest systems and then uh, seasons and then JT uh, JT JT died JT yeah. JT dies and then um, Drake gets shot Veronica what's her name Veronica Van Damme whatever her name's um, like hollers like a like a hog when JT dies yeah um, I remember that I also uh, yeah De- Degrassi was not that bad like I used to watch it a lot actually Drake. but yeah Drake getting shot yep. was probably iconic that was the show on ABC Kids it, Degrassi it was um, it was Canadian too very Canadian uh, what other shows can we think of though um, I oh this, I'm not yeah. sure. Oh, Will and Grace. Yeah, Will and Grace. Yeah, Will and Grace. Actually, there's been a few of those ones from like the sitcomy era, hasn't there? That um, had its revival season. Oh, Frasier's coming. Frasier is coming Frasier. back. Um, um lots I don't of those know. sorts of things. Yep. Yeah. But popular, good shows, cool shows. Oh, um, Proud Family. That's what I was. I was watching. I was staring at the Disney. Of course, Proud the new Proud Family. Yeah. Really. Yeah, yep. and like massive stars are going to be in it as well. Like Lizzo is going to appear, and then, oh my god, I saw a list of it the other day, of all the actors full, who are coming full into house? it. Full, full house. Full house. Full house. That was not good. I watched the right first. Now couple of episodes of fuller house and i was like i can't what about what about back to the rafters on amazon prime you know following on from packed to the rafters oh, i'm just yeah, so I glad they the brought the greek guy back because he was the, literally the only reason why i watched that show i've never watched a second of packed to the rafters i nope, watched it never. for the neighbor next door who was just this funny wog guy and it was the first time i saw a wog on tv depicted as a wog because usually like they have no, I remember, what about con the fruiterer yeah. Not yet, but he was like for a yeah, comedy skit who, kind who of thing. Who we used to watch on Round the Twist. Yeah, exactly right, <laughs> Mr. Gribble. Mr. Gribble. Yep. <laughs> and then also he was also, also on um on Lift Off. You know oh what? Oh my god, he was has, on Lift Off. You know what has come and gone over the years? Hey, hey, it's Saturday. 
Yeah, that came back. They're doing a Hey, 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 It's 50th this year. It is. Hey, Hey is coming back for a 50th special in a matter of weeks. I yeah. feel like hey, hey, as 50. long as they don't And it'll have, be on channel seven, not nine. That's weird. As long as they don't have Americans on that who will judge us for our racism, yeah. it should be yeah. fine. <laughs> like, hey hey, there's no more show. <laughs> oh hilarious. Thank you, Harry I can't Connick think Jr. What else, though. I can't think of what there's, else though has come and gone. But. There's been a few, but the thing is that those returns have been rather forgettable on many counts. Well, oh, I, Murphy I, Brown. What? There's another one. Oh yeah, Murphy Brown. Yeah. I never watched the original series. I just knew it was iconic because I like I knew a lot of the themes from it because it was, it was pretty good. interesting to have work, working woman sitcom. Yeah. Um, I reckon. I reckon if something was to come back, it should be ER. Uh, ER would be good to come back, but also they need to bring back bring it back with um, Clooney. Wow. Well, yeah. If they but feel I like think that it should come back, he's at the point in his career where he could. <laughs> True. I just think I think if I think of all those shows, those sorts of shows, sort mm. of iconic shows, ER for sure is the show that should have like those American sort of um, primetime shows. Besides something like West Wing, but I don't think it's as necessary. I think that um, ER is the one that should come back if they were to do it. Yeah, hmm, that's what I think. Um, anyway, I think we should get to our sick end of the week. There's the jingle. Got to yep. always wait. Look out for that jingle. You never know when it's going to pop up. <laughs> do, 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 I guess do, it depends do, do, on when I make it. Um, yes. Yeah, so our sequence of the week. Um, we've got our nominee and we've got a special mention. Yes. One kind of leads into the other. Now, um, the sequence of the week this week is um, President Macron. Macron uh, of of France. Um, because he is, uh, it's been revealed this week, he is not returning the calls or not answering the calls of um, that, uh, that, that, that fella down under. Um, thanks, pal. Uh, yes, he is not answering the calls of that fella down under. Um, obviously, we're not allowed to say his name. I, I have a new nickname for him. Yeah. The what, Reginald Dickhead? No, no. The Blunder from Down Under. Wait, the, the Blunder from Down Under. Hey. Well, yeah. Thanks, pal. Again. It weirdly, um, yeah, it I sounds think like it, it sounds like one of those Lucho wrestling names, the Blunder from Down yep. Under. And yep. he also <laughs> looks like a bobblehead luchador. <laughs> With his Hawaiian shirt on and everything. Yeah. I just love his sad looking face, his sad, concerned, kind of panicked distressed face that he always has oh that's hilarious i can't wait um, to going into an election year it's gonna be fun oh I can't believe god that it's gonna be it's, great i can't believe it's not been i can't believe it's not been announced yet and we're heading to an election year but um anyway um our um, yeah our winner and our uh, special mention oh our yeah, special is. mention is mr biden for creating joseph biden the uh nickname uh, what is it? Fella from Down Under. Because he forgot yeah, his that, name. Because uh, he's an old man. I just, I loved the fact that he stood there and he turned to the screen and said to um, Bojo, see, I can't, see, Sarah mentioned a brilliant thing that it would have been a perfect opportunity to say, thanks, Bojo, and, but I can't say it because we're not allowed to say his nickname. That's yeah, I guess you. Um, but it would have been brilliant. But unfortunately, Biden forgot it and then said, thanks, um, Thanks, uh, Boris, and uh, also, 
and then there was a pause while he kind of looked at the screen with Boris in it, <laughs> looked at the press and went, I can't remember his name, and looked to the right at the screen with the fella from Down Under. And then he just said, thanks to the fella Down Under. Thanks, pal. <laughs> Brilliant. I love it. Suck on that. No one remembers you, you stupid shithead. Um, yep, so here's our notable mention. Can I just quickly uh, add Mr. the Mr. fact that he said fella from Down Under after we signed that multi billion dollar deal with him it's like what a person to forget yeah, what a yeah. person two names to remember and he forgot one of them love it to be Perfect. fair he is pretty forgettable it's true again he's got a face that only an idiot would like um okay that is our sick end of the week and our um uh, our notable mention um that is our episode yeah. of the week Woo. yes that's our episode for the week Another thank one you drew thank you bianca thank you philip thank you bianca Thank you both. Yeah, exactly right. Until next week, uh, Drew. E- Bianca. Yep. <laughs>